You're listening to Shortwave from NPR. Good day, Shortwavers. Aaron Scott here. I hope you have your snow tires on because today we're heading to Wyoming with NPR correspondent Kirk Sigler. Hey there, Kirk. Hello, Aaron. So I have to admit, as someone living in the West, I'm a bit of a fan. I, I always listen for your stories because you get to travel to all the places I wish I was going to on a weekly basis, um, which is to say, where are we headed today? Well, then I have a real treat for you. We are <laughs> headed to Kemmerer, Wyoming. It's a small town of 2,800 people in the southwest corner of the state. I'd call it even pretty remote uh, by Wyoming standards. But okay. what it shares with so many other Wyoming towns is that its economy is inextricably linked to fossil fuels. And in its heyday, uh, this frontier prairie town we're going to had two dozen coal mines wow. uh, drawing thousands of people, including uh, savvy entrepreneurs. Of course, the entrepreneur cannot resist the lure of the boomtown. Right. So when I traveled there, I learned Kemmerer is home to the original J.C. Penney department store, of all things. No way. <laughs> is it still open? It is. Uh, but like a lot of Kemmerer, it's in limbo. It was spun off during a bankruptcy. But a bigger concern on everyone's minds in town lately is the fact that the last main coal mine has also filed for bankruptcy. Now, shortly after that came word that the Naughton Coal Plant next door to it, these both dominate the horizon west of town, is being decommissioned in 2025. We're talking 250, maybe 300 jobs lost short term. Yeah, that is, that is a pretty common story for rural western towns that are built around a single resource only to see the market change. I mean, it's that whole boom and bust thing. I actually grew up a couple hours away from Kemmerer in Colorado, and my dad worked for a coal mine that has since closed. And it took a lot of jobs out of the nearby towns with it. Yeah, and you may remember from growing up uh, in this corner of the country that the Rocky Mountains really boomed starting after 1970 due to one big thing, ironically, the passage of the Clean Air Act. Wow. Yeah, it just had cleaner burning coal due to lower sulfur amounts compared to its Appalachian counterparts. So power plants across the country started favoring Rocky Mountain coal, particularly from Wyoming. And so that's what made Wyoming the nation's top coal producer. Right. But today, coal plants nationwide are closing, including all 11 of Wyoming's plants by 2039, though most of those will close much sooner. But the reason that you're bringing us this story is that things here might actually play out a little bit differently, right? Exactly because of this push for cleaner energy. Right. So I'm going to answer your question with another question. <laughs> okay. Uh, what if those 300 or so jobs I mentioned didn't have to go away? So today on the show, we're gonna go nuclear and ask whether nuclear technology might save dying coal towns. You're listening to Shortwave, the daily science podcast from NPR. So, Kirk, the power plant in Kemmerer, Wyoming, is set to close and likely the last coal mine with it. But what's different about how this story might play out here? Well, Bill Gates, that's what's different. Huh. Bill Gates, of all okay. people, the billionaire philanthropist and nuclear power enthusiast. Now, he started a company called 
Terra Power, which has been eyeing Wyoming and its retiring coal plants. It's a bit of a juxtaposition here, right? We've got liberal Bill Gates, not exactly, as you might imagine, revered in conservative Wyoming. Right, right. But this project appears to be happening. You know, things are moving. When I was in Kemmerer recently, I took a drive out to the site of this proposed $4 billion nuclear plant with Chris Levesque. He's the CEO and president of TerraPower. We're going to be able to use the team from the Naughton plant, which is um, over 200 operators who are skilled power plant operators. Now, Aaron, they're planning to reuse some of the plant's infrastructure, namely its connection to the electrical grid and its water cooling source. But it's all built around a new kind of technology. All right, Kirk. So this isn't exactly the Springfield power plant from The Simpsons. Who would have thought a nuclear reactor would be so complicated? (laughs) They're, They're billing this one as advanced nuclear energy. What does that mean? Right. So uh, the basic way a nuclear power plant works, conventional one, is a process called fission, like what was going on presumably in Springfield. It it splits atoms to generate heat. Now the heat boils water, and the steam from that then turns a turbine that generates electricity. And normally the plants use water as a coolant to prevent things from overheating and causing problems, the worst of which, a catastrophic meltdown. Uh, But what Chris Levesque told me, the different thing here is this so-called advanced nuclear technology is going to use sodium instead. Sodium's really um, a better coolant than water for several reasons. Uh, One of those reasons is it has a very high boiling point. Um, water boils at, you know, 100 degrees centigrade. Sodium boils at over 800 degrees centigrade. And as you can imagine, they're saying this makes the plant a lot safer. And company officials told me this new technology also would allow the plant to be throttled up or down quickly, depending on how much wind, solar, or other power is feeding into the grid at any particular time. Conventional nuclear power plants can't do that? No, it's my understanding they're designed to run pretty much constantly at full capacity, which doesn't really work if we're moving toward renewables, which mainly need a flexible backup power source that can adjust quickly to the amount of sunshine or wind available at any given minute. Right. And I mean, a lot of experts talk about how nuclear is key to any plan intended to swiftly reduce our carbon emissions. Yet I hear a lot about nuclear plans slated for shutdown and not a lot starting. So what is the state of nuclear these days, Kirk? Well, the big thing here is cost. Uh, The permitting can take so much longer. It's been a big deterrent to bring new nuclear uh, power plants online. And let's face it, nuclear power is still stigmatized because of accidents like Fukushima and Chernobyl. And then you've got the radioactive waste. I mean, we're still arguing about where to put it. Think Yucca Mountain in Nevada. This waste can last thousands of years. And then Putin's invasion of Ukraine is renewing debate here in the U.S. over what being energy independent even means. And, you know, if coal is going away, like we've been saying, there's got to be some new, cleaner baseline source besides just natural gas that's going to take over. And nuclear power uh, is zero emissions. So it sounds like Kemmerer is a place where folks are trying to figure out the cost and permit issues and fast-track a new nuclear plant. 
Right. And the way to get around that cost issue uh, is at the center of this story, and that's federal support, public support. You've got Bill Gates' company uh, getting money from the infrastructure bill, big public backing, more than $2 billion. And this is billed as a public-private partnership and what they're calling a demonstration project. It was told to me that they're going to show how this can work first, successfully, they say, in Kemmerer, Wyoming. And then the costs will start going down for permitting for new plants that follow it elsewhere, or at least that's the argument. And what sort of timeline are we talking? Well, the company is telling me it's hoping to get the plant online by 2028, assuming there's not more pushback. But things are complicated. Um, Wyoming is having a pretty rocky divorce with coal. A lot of people don't think it will really ever go away. Some people told me the state's in denial uh, that coal is going away. One woman I met who's been around a long time uh, and seen a lot of the booms and busts is Terry Paserno. Now, she owns a place called Grumpy's Bar. Uh, <laughs> the It's actually sort of the town meeting place, at least when I was there. Its uh, main clientele is coal miners. Now, Terry Paserno also runs the local museum, and I'd, I'd call her Kemmerer's de facto historian. I mean, you know, the coal has been the bread and butter of this community forever. And so when you're talking about that changing, people get extremely nervous. Yeah, so she doesn't exactly sound that hopeful about nuclear being able to come in and and be some sort of big savior. No, in fact, uh, she told me when the announcement first came down, there was some initial celebration. But that has since shifted toward people having a lot of questions. You know, can this town of only 2,800 people uh, support hundreds of the short-term construction workers that are going to be needed to build this plant if and when it's approved? And then what exactly is it going to take to retrain coal plant workers to move over to a nuclear plant? And when is all that going to start? Uh, Terry Paserno feels like it's been light on specifics. And in the meantime, people are starting to move out of Kemmerer and make other plans because they have to. Well, you know, the uncertainty of what's going to happen with the coal mine, the power plant, J.C. JCPenney's, um, you know, when people get apprehensive and nervous, they, they don't spend they don't understand what's going on. And it's really difficult to get a straight answer out of corporations and politicians. This is something I hear a lot around the country right now. And Terry pointed out that politicians in Wyoming, on the one hand, are pushing for this advanced nuclear power plant as a big new thing for their energy state. But then on the other hand, you have the governor of Wyoming signing a law recently that tried to prevent utilities from even closing coal plants. And then you had the entire congressional delegation in Wyoming voting against the infrastructure law, which is going to bankroll uh, about half of this nuclear power plant. Wow. It sounds like people on the ground here in Wyoming are really kind of caught up in the middle of a lot of national politics and heated conversations about the future of energy. Right. Uh, All politics is national right now, as we know. And in Wyoming, I detected a lot of confusion and some cynicism and some people just convinced that coal won't ever go away. Wyoming, just like a lot of rural energy states, has a long history of people coming in uh, from the outside with big promises about this new big thing or that. And we can point to Mm -hmm. a lot of examples where that big thing didn't pan out. But what's different now, I think, is coal is going away, despite some of the denial. Uh, And much of Wyoming's state budget is tied to coal and other fossil fuel 
schools that are in much less demand than they used to be. There's a feeling of real desperation in parts of rural Wyoming about what's going to happen and what revenue source could replace coal uh, to support schools and other vital services. And to that end, are there other plants like this in the works elsewhere? At this point, from Terra Power's perspective, they want to build this demonstration project, but they think it can be easily replicated elsewhere in Wyoming and across the West, where all these coal power plants are slated to close. Um, as we've seen, uh, the demand for coal just plummet from Wyoming to northwest Colorado, where you grew up, to Montana, because the West Coast cities are moving away from coal. Uh, so this is seen as a potential demonstration project that if it works, could be the next big thing. All right. All right. Well, thank you for bringing this to us, Kirk. And uh, just going to say, if you need someone to carry your bags or drive your car for any of these reporting trips, you got my number. Deal. (laughs) (laughs) This episode was produced by Burley McCoy, edited by Stephanie O'Neill, and fact-checked by Catherine Seifer. The audio engineer was Patrick Murray. I'm Aaron Scott. Thanks for listening to Shortwave from NPR.